Welcome to My Turn Podcast, a gaming podcast hosted by extra competitive siblings. And today we are joined once again by our honorary sibling, Tim. Hi, mate. Hello. Hi, uh, my name's Jem. I will be hosting this episode of the podcast with my real life sibling, Erin. Hi, I'm a real life sibling. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Tim pretty much is as well. <laughs> yeah, it counts. It counts. Through, through osmosis. Exactly. We <laughs> might not have come from the same fantoir, but we're fabla. Right. <laughs> we I'm not sure that saying's going to catch on. <laughs> and I'm on the non alcoholic beer again, folks. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and you're still drunk. And I'm still drunk. <laughs> On non alcohol. <laughs> it's a crazy time. Um, so, uh, we are going to record this episode today um, about a game that I think you could probably spend 125 hours on. So, what we're going to do is we're going to give you our opinions on the game so far. What is the game, Erin? Um, we're going to be talking about the newest Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. All right. Yes, we are. So uh, this is a gaming podcast. We do do games reviews um, and we often scantily research them, <laughs> um, <laughs> give our opinions, go in hard, mess around a bit with what we think. Uh, and today we are going to just talk about where we are so far with Assassin's Creed and talk about our expectations, uh, how long we think it's going to take to actually beat the game because it is huge um and yeah i think let's just get into it shall we lads yeah let's yeah, do yeah absolutely okay so always on this podcast we always start by asking what is this game in a nutshell who would like to do a nutshell summary of assassin's creed valhalla <laughs> um <Tumbleweed>. weed <laughs> Yeah, well, I was going to say it's a bit hard to describe it in a nutshell as it's so big. But it's kind of like <laughs> Assassin's Creed. A coconut shell? Okay, a coconut shell. So like an Assassin's Creed um, go at creating an open world, uh, almost RPG-like version of their normal games set uh, during kind of like the Viking invasion of Britain. Well... Once they've established themselves and then them actually taking over, um, yeah, taking over the four kingdoms of Britain, really. Tim, anything to add? No, I mean, I, I think Aram summed it up pretty well. I will say that Assassin's Creed has been doing RPG for the past two big releases. So Origins and Odyssey were also RPG. This is the 12th installment. So they've been doing it since the 10th. And it imitates a lot of that gameplay. Um, so we would kind of expect it to continue in that vein. And yes, we're in the we're in the eight seventies. If you want to get specific about your dates, yeah, Tim is <laughs> going to be our informal history consultant for this episode because you know things about the British Isle history <laughs> that we don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of a history nerd on all things. Yeah. But, my, um, my knowledge of uh, this period is I've watched Vikings. That's it. <laughs> well, Erin, you, you could do worse. I've watched all of Vikings. I thought it was a great series. And actually, you feel, I think, very comfortable in this environment if you've watched Vikings because Definitely. some of the characters carry through and it, it sets up the situation in which you find yeah. yourself. We actually don't know that much about this period of history compared to some other periods of history in Britain. That's why they call it the Dark Ages 
just because yeah. we don't have a lot of archaeological evidence. Yeah. So um, that, that I think, is probably the biggest departure for Assassin's Creed in terms of its serious development, in that we normally have quite a lot to go on historically, and mm. they're, they're fairly historically accurate in terms of where they set pieces. Notably, they've set this in a time where we don't know that much, and I mm. think that reflects slightly on the way they um, treated history in this game. That, I would say that's the biggest departure. Yeah, and that's interesting because I don't know anything about the Viking history of the British Isles and I haven't seen Vikings. So all I know about Vikings is they went to places, took things over and went and enjoyed drinking and pillaging a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, my expectation of playing a Viking game was I'm just going to go and beat people up. <laughs> <laughs> do a bit of sailing <laughs> because that's all that vikings do i i i hold my hand up and say i'm ignorant of viking culture <laughs> ah, for once oh, i'm shit. slightly more informed than you yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is good <laughs> you've, you've fallen for the uh anglo-saxon christian propaganda there i'm afraid jen i mean i i, I openly say I, i'm i'm prepared to be enlightened i just <laughs> i just can't tell you if the representation of vikings in this game is accurate or not or <laughs> anything <laughs> so let's dig into our expectations then it feels like we sort of naturally are um you've played a fair few of these tim have you assassin's mm. creed how many have. have you played oh I, i've played two three black flag syndicate and odyssey I believe. So I've sort of maybe played half of the, of mm. the main kind of story ones because they do come out quite frequently. Yeah. And although mm. there's a big difference between the current one and say the first one I played, which was actually Assassin's Creed 2, they tend to have quite small changes between uh, volumes. So you can find if you just keep playing them, it gets a bit samey. So in terms right. of expectations, yeah. I expected it to be very similar in terms of gameplay to Odyssey. Mm -hmm. um, I think the other thing in terms of expectations, um, yeah, I suppose with Vikings, <laughs> you know there's going to be some <laughs> element of raiding. But given that I know Assassin's <laughs> Creed normally pays attention to history, yeah. I was hoping what they would do is pay some attention into actually how complex Viking integration was in, in Britain. Mm -hmm. um, and also the fact that mm. Vikings went everywhere. So we, we tend to mostly think of them, I suppose, as being in Norway and Denmark and then coming over here and doing some raids. Mm. But their culture expanded all the way, as, as you find out in the game, to North America, Greenland, Iceland, the Mediterranean, Russia, Ukraine. They went all yeah. along the Silk Road. They went pretty much everywhere in the Northern Hemisphere. So yeah. my expectation was we would that would become revealed to us over time and from what i know of the upcoming uh, dlc that's right. what it's going to offer us oh okay mm. oh my god there's more of it mm. wow okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that in a bit um erin what about for you how many of the assassin's creed games have you played i can't recall so i've only really played a bit of um black flag to be honest um Assassin's Creed, like the whole kind of stealth uh, gaming side of things, I'm not really too interested in. Um, it's only the, the thing that really interests me, and I'm not going to lie at all. Obviously, I've watched pretty much every season of Vikings, 
And like everyone who has watched that series, you just get very engrossed with it. So I was like, oh, it's my chance to be a Viking. So I thought I'd give it a go. Um, From seeing other people, because I tend to watch other people play these big games first to kind of get a, Mm -hmm. a feel for it. From watching it, it kind of felt a bit like um, it was going to be slightly Skyrim-esque meets maybe Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor. Oh. Yeah, okay. I kind of got that interpretation of it. Um, so, yeah, that that was my kind of expectation of it. Cool. Uh, and then for myself, I've only played Black Flag and I didn't finish that, but I did watch my partner play all of Odyssey. So mm. I feel like I saw a lot of Odyssey. I saw enough of Odyssey to feel like I didn't need to play it, put it that way. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm kind of an Assassin's Creed newbie in a way, or certainly of the newest style Assassin's Creed. So yeah. I didn't really have any expectations beyond the fact that it's called Assassin's Creed. So I was like, well, I'll be assassinating people. So in my head, I was a bit like Vikings, assassinations. How's that going to work? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's kind of how I went going in. Like, but I did also have an expectation of enjoying raiding things and hitting people with axes. Mm. So I was hoping for a lot of that. But yeah, I was a bit confused how assassination and raiding went together. Well, there, there was probably a lot of backstabbing in Vikings in Viking times. So, Tim, I'm sure they weren't all just <laughs> no, like, let's fight constantly. <laughs> no, you're right, Gemma. Even before this game came out, that was what all the long-term players of the series said: "Is how do those things go together? How are mm. we going to integrate stealth with Vikings?" And I think, as you've seen, they kind of don't. No. You know, they, they've, <laughs> <laughs> not only abandoned the need to play stealthily it's actually very difficult to play stealthily now yeah i don't think the game suffers from that as long as you know that's what you're going to get i think instead what it tries to do is double down on reminding you that the whole assassins versus templars thing isn't just about hiding in a bush and stabbing someone mm. it's about control and fate versus free will and perhaps anarchy And those are the kind of two sides that you're really meant... That's what you're meant to be embracing as an assassin Mm. is free will and not believing in fate. And so that's what they try to lean in when they go back to the Norse mythology, specifically focusing Mm. on Odin and how Odin's adventures very often are about fighting what the fates have determined for him. Yeah. Well, this is a really good point to go into a bit about what story we're offered at the top of this game. Um, so do you want to just carry on and give us a quick nutshell of the story that we're presented with at the top, Tim? Yeah, so at the beginning, we are in Norway. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, when you come over to Britain, you're, you're often referred to as a Dane. Yeah. Because to the British, um, yeah. all Vikings were Danes, but we they had them in Norway as well. And what's interesting about Norway at this time is it's about to be unified. So prior to this, you've had lots of independent Jarls, much as you might see in Skyrim. Um, And they're about to be united under King Harald. Um, Harald, by the way, Harald Bluetooth is where we get Bluetooth from. from Oh my God. I thought that, but in a really, in like, as in I thought that was... I was being funny to myself and I was like, oh, I wonder if that's where Bluetooth no, no. comes from. So because the Bluetooth <laughs> technology was invented um, in Scandinavia and they wanted, 
they wanted because it was a cross-platform technology they wanted to name it after something that was unifying so they chose Harold Bluetooth because he unified oh. Norway. And the symbol for Bluetooth, which you can see on computer right now, is the two yeah. runes for H and B. Shut up. No way. Oh, that's, that's I, I, learned, I learned something, Tim. Well done. <laughs> Thanks, Bonus Tim. content. You're all right. <laughs> anyway, slightly off topic. Um, but we, So we've come at a time where Norway's being unified under a single king. Now, for our characters, this presents a problem because... We play um, Ava, and Ava's uh, sort of adopted brother, or, you know, Ava's been adopted into this family, and the brother yeah. is due to take over as Jarl. So they have the decision, you know, do you fight back against the whole of Norway? Not at all practical. Do you kneel to the king of Norway, or do you go off and find your own fate somewhere else? Mm. And so this is where, why our character decides to leave Norway and go and sort of start a new life over in the disparate kingdoms of pre-England. Mm-hmm. Um, and over there, they um, settle in somewhere called um, Grantbridgeshire, which is a made-up county amongst all the other familiar counties and surroundings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you get to kind of create your own homestead and meet all these characters and you, t- you take in sort of strays from all over the kingdoms to come and help build your homestead. So that is where we are at the beginning of this story. And as the story progresses, it's about the tense relationship between Eivor and their sibling Sigurd. Mm-hmm. I keep saying they, by the way, because you can play either as uh, male or female. Um, and you can, interestingly, in this one, you can decide to change um, throughout the yeah. game as well. It doesn't stick with you as a decision. Um so it's about that and, and trying to form alliances as a new clan, the Raven clan, mm-hmm. um, in Raven's home. You, you need security in where you are, so you try to make these alliances with the other kingdoms. And in terms of kind of history, that's putting us about 100 years, no, 50 years, sorry, 50 years mm-hmm. or so before England actually does get united under Ethelred. Right. So what we're seeing are the machinations of something that does come into play a few uh, decades later, where the Anglo-Saxons decide to merge all the kingdoms into England. There is another storyline that goes alongside this, which is the visions you can have. Are they dreams? Are they real? What's going on? Where you actually end up in Valhalla and you play as Odin or Havi, as he's known um, in this, which might be confusing to some people. Odin had lots of names. Havi just means the high one in Old Norse. Um, and you play through what I recognised as some of the recorded mythology of yeah. Norse legend, uh, specifically about the building of a wall to pro- protect Valhalla um, and the Vanir and the Aesir gods from the frost giants. And, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. And the it's... tricks that are going on among that with Loki and Odin and Thor and the rest of it. And you get to play out some of that story. And I'm yet to see how that continues. Yeah, it's it's all very... If you don't know the Norse mythology, when you get to that bit, you're like, oh, right, so Game of Thrones took a lot from this. <laughs> it's kind of... <laughs> Well, a lot of things have taken a lot from it. It's um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Um, and there's also a sort of third storyline which you get introduced oh to, which is kind of the conspiracy storyline, which I th- I believe is the main assassination thread. That's my Do you mean sort of the, the sort of modern day story. 
the 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 main there's a main mission to sort of uncover a sort of conspiracy there's like a allegiance i forget what they're called oh do you mean that like the te- the templars yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 oh yeah so so there are there are other multiple storylines yeah. a lot of storylines going on so yeah, yeah there's, there's the classic <laughs> classic assassins versus templar storyline going on which is where you know, there are a small number of assassins who are basically there. Their mission is essentially to unseat the Templars. The Templars yeah. are always this cabal of people who seek power in order to control other people. This yeah, is the fundamental difference about, between yeah. the assassins and the Templars. Templars mm. believe that people need to be controlled. Assassins believe that people will find a way. Yeah. Um, but there's also a modern storyline as well. <gasps> yeah. Because, of course, Assassin's Creed My is God. all in a I simulation. <laughs> I'm You're so right. glad that I'm just not paying attention to the storyline in this game. Yeah, but you sort of have after... to, the further along you get. No. This, is, this is why it's actually really difficult to jump into mm. a series like Assassin's Creed later on, because there's so much mythology, so much backstory. But yeah, this everything in Assassin's Creed takes place like in the Matrix. It's within yeah. a simulation. Because mm. there's always this running modern storyline of people who are... Uh, descended from the bloodline of the assassins and can access their memories, which is what you're playing out. And at this point in the modern storyline, we have sort of overcome one apocalypse to possibly be faced with another following the events of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Why it always got to be an apocalypse, Tim? Why? Why? (laughs) Why? Exactly. (laughs) I blame blame the Mayans. Um, The Earth's gravitational field has gone out of whack and they're trying to figure out what it means uh, and what's going to happen. So we're, we're digging into the past because our character's body has been uncovered in yeah. North America. They found a Viking burial in North America and they're trying to figure out why that happened. Yeah. Um, wow. So I hope that anyone listening to this who hasn't played Assassin's Creed before could follow that. <laughs> it's a <laughs> lot. And um, maybe you can uh, speak to this a little bit, Tim, but I feel like it's even more than normal from what I saw of Odyssey. This feels like another layer. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's, um, it's even more dense in yeah. created story. Um, perhaps that's partly because they didn't have as much reliable kind of historical stories that they could bring to life potentially mm. but i also feel like this is a bridging story in terms of um in terms of the assassins and templars in the modern version it feels like they're taking it in a slightly more urgent direction than mm. they are previously and i sense some kind of crescendo coming to the series so i think right. it's just getting a little bit more complex everywhere right. but it is I would say any any person who was new to this series wouldn't have a Scooby what is going on. Yeah, so Erim, <laughs> I'm gonna Gemini, throw over to you. It, really? Yeah, but I'm gonna throw over to you, Erim, because you're yeah. someone who appreciates a good story but doesn't care as much as me. So I'll come in what? last on this. So it needs how to do be... you feel at yeah. you know, at the start you've how many hours do you think you've put in so far? Oh, God. Um, nowhere near as much as Tim. Probably about 20, 30, maybe that's, at that's, most. That is a good chunk. That's a good chunk. I mean, chunk. most of it has been me running around killing stuff because, you know, that's the kind of game <laughs> that I am. Um, so in regards to story, a bit like you said, I really have to be engaged in the story to actually bother with it. So as soon as I started, you know, it, it started getting a bit complicated. And the other thing I thought was 
quite dreadful was the voice acting in it. And I just couldn't deal with it. Uh, I really didn't enjoy it. M not so much the main character, but um, some of the subsidiary characters. Yeah. I didn't really enjoy And I quickly was just like, skip, 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 skip. So the story for me, obviously, there's, there's the whole kind of, um, you know, the historic Vikings coming to England and the, that loose story I understand of you creating relationships with the environment around you and other uh, different groups of people to bring, like, make your clan stronger by mm. building alliances. But, like, the things like the, the modern-day storyline... I'd, I'm not interested in a modern day storyline. I want to be a Viking. I don't like that. Is it the animus where you kind of like cut back into modern life and then you'll get back yeah, as a Viking? It's, it doesn't really. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm enjoying it more from a pure gaming side of things. I'm not really I'm not engrossed by the story at all. And I think, you know, Tim Tim has pretty much um, illustrated that there's there's too much to really follow without, you know, investing a significant amount of time. Maybe this, this game is the perfect game for someone um, during this lockdown that doesn't have too many things going on because you can really invest in it in detail and take your time with it. But for someone like me, where I'm, I'm still working at the minute, it's not really practical for mm. me to sit and actually follow every single detail of story. So yeah, my, my, my grasp of the story is very basic. I know what I'm doing, but character development and things like that. I'm not really too interested in, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, my, my question was going to be, do you care? Not, like, not overly. I'm I'm not too fast. Obviously, I'd like to uh, see how everything plays out and mm. how these alliances, what, what's going to happen at the end of it. Uh, the rivalry between yourself and your brother, what's going to happen there. The main gist of the storyline is, is kind of keeping me a bit interested, but the gameplay is more what I'm enjoying of this. Yeah, okay, we'll get into a bit more detail mm. on the gameplay in a sec. So for me, in terms of the story, um, I, you know, I love a good story in a game. I feel like that is as important mm. to me as the mechanics of anything you're doing in a game or the puzzles or the world building or anything like that. And for me, I was really invested at the start because of this lovely sort of setup, yeah. This, as, as Tim touched on, this sort of... Um, where it was in Norway, I was like really into it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be yeah. beautiful. I'm going to get all this history. I'm going to get all this stuff about the culture in Northern Europe. Yeah. And I hadn't read anything about the game. So I didn't even know it went to, in, into England. So when it went there, I was yeah. like, oh, that's weird. Okay, I know this could be fun. Um, but yeah, I think it, it got one story too many for me when it went to mm. Valhalla. And actually, Valhalla is its own game. So I don't quite yeah. understand why there's another, like, 20-hour game inside a 100-hour <laughs> game. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a bit worried about playing it because I'm like, how much of my life do I actually want to give to this when I don't really care for the story? <laughs> what I will say, though, um, just yeah. to pick up on your point about voice acting... I know what you mean, but I don't really think it's the actor's fault. I just want to like defend the voice no? actors a little bit here because is I feel the like the script is awful <laughs> yeah. for some characters, not for well, all. Well, may yeah. But um, yeah. But however, but I'm playing as female Eivor, 
And I think her at, her voice acting is amazing. Like, actually amazing. Yeah. It's some of the best voice acting yeah. I've had in, in a game that's quite heavy on action. Like, even the grunting and the lifting and stuff. Do, do you agree, Tim? <laughs> it's really good. I completely good. agree. I'm really enjoying her voice. Yeah. Just the mm. quality of her voice. Mm -hmm. But there are so many nice variations. That, to give you an example, she's very... I would say she's very straightforward when she's dealing in tense situations, which I enjoy. And then when you go to your homestead and you've adopted this wolf into your clan, oh, you, yeah, you run past that. and she's like, oh, look at you, Chewy. And it's just such a nice contrast in character. Yeah. And also when she gets frisky. <laughs> there's um This isn't really a spoiler because I remember it happening in, in Odyssey and, and other ones as well. Like, there's, there's a bit you can you can get you can get sexy time with some of the other characters and uh, <laughs> who, who have you got sexy with? Come on, everyone. Anytime there's an option, I do you, it. Like... Yeah, because it's fun. Because it makes the story more interesting for me. Because I'm bored. I'm like, oh, dialogue well, tree, pointless dialogue tree. Oh, uh, sex, great. Let's do that. <laughs> well, at least I'm you're playing one. it like a true Viking, then. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, this is true. Like the the Vikings were not big on monogamy um no. however I, I did choose not to sleep with my adopted brother's wife oh I no thought, i just botched her today to buy me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did it's free love it um, and, and i literally just boshed someone else like in the mission before that so i was like i'm on a roll man <laughs> Jeez. i did bosh over the boneless only because I wanted to test whether what approach they were taking to his name. Because you know, uh, you know, wait, Ivor Ragnarsson. Which one was Ivor... that? Was that after the wedding party? Was that that guy? Uh, Ivor is one of the sons of Ragnar. Mm. Uh, oh, I can't remember. In when you go to um, uh, Leicestershire. Yeah, I think and I boshed him. He's as well. the sort of angry, angry, always yeah, wants to kill someone. Yeah, I boshed him. So, <laughs> Ivor Ragnarsson is known as Ivor the Boneless, and there's a lot of contention right. as to why his name was Boneless. Some mm. say it was because he fought like he was, you know, multi limbed and like the wind. Other people say it's because he maybe, you know, had polio or a bone wasting disease or something. And other people say it's because he couldn't get it up. Oh. So I was like, well, I need to test this out. <laughs> but you don't, it's not that graphic. So you don't, you, no. it just does a cutscene. It's not, I yeah. thought it'd be a bit better than that. I've just, I'm, I'm also just slight segue playing um, uh, Cyberpunk. You get a bit more in that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should do an episode at some point at all the best sex in video games. Go back and play play an old um, GTA. <laughs> oh, do you know? I can already think of what my favourite one was. Dragon Age Inquisition. You get to have oh. some really weird sex in that. <laughs> Mine's probably The Witcher. Yennefer's hot. Yeah, Yennefer's hot. Yeah. <laughs> I always remember the yeah. witch in the bath. Was that Tr Trisha? Yeah. Did I make that up? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Slight sexual segue. Um, <laughs> where were we? Yeah, so we were just talking about story and character. So let's get into the actual gameplay style. So we've obviously discussed that there isn't really the option to do a great deal of stealthing. 
Weirdly though, um, there's still a lot of option to upgrade your stealth on the skills tree. Even though I tried to play stealthy initially because I just really enjoy it. And there are so many mm. times when you've killed a whole town pretty much, got to a massive loot chest and you can't open it unless you call a raid to get someone to help you. <laughs> and that has just, that wound me up. I was getting so annoyed. I was like really proud of myself for doing a whole thing stealthily, like knocking out a whole mm. settlement. And then you've got to call a raid and then a bunch of other baddies turn up because you've called a raid. <laughs> that, that, that really annoyed me. You can use your stealth in castles, I found. That's when you can go around and pick people up. Nothing by the river, as you say, because if it's by a river, it's a raid. But particularly around London, for example, um, or in some of the castles, you can go around and use your stealth. But yeah, it's not... You can't use it all the time. If it's something by a river, don't bother. <laughs> no, well, actually, the one, that I, the one that I first did where I tried to open this chest after killing everyone without pretty much everyone anyway, without getting seen, was in the monastery. There's a there's a mission quite yeah. early on in a monastery and there's a massive chest and you can't open it on your own. And the only way yeah. you can get someone to help you is if you call a raid. Yeah. And I was so annoyed. Is it by They're a river? By it's up, yeah, on, yeah. It's up, the, up on top of a hill. All the monasteries are by rivers. Uh, That's where you get your raiding goods from. The first, in fact, the first monastery that you raid when you arrive um, is Ulster Monastery. Oh, which yeah. is just a stone's throw from where I grew up in Redditch. It's like five miles from, from Redditch. And then there's um, another abbey just along from that, which is Evesham Abbey, which is where I was born in Evesham. My family. And I was like, yeah, I get to raid my homeland. Although I will say the Ulster Monastery is anachronistic. The Ulster Monastery wasn't built until, I think, the 11th century. <gasps> but Evesham, Evesham was around from the 8th century. Are they so. taking liberties with history, Tim? Ever so slightly. Uh-oh. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> I mean, I, like I said, there isn't that much information, but I knew that when we came to Ulster. Like, <laughs> they're about 200 years too early for Ulster, but I'll give them Evesham, that's all right. Oh, mate. <laughs> oh, well, we're glad, we're glad you're here. History consultant has spotted a, a woozy... <laughs> Woozy? Yep. Is that what you call it? A woozy? <laughs> doozy. What? Yeah. Doozies. I don't doozy, know. I think, I think you were combining doozy and whoopsie. It was yes. a portmanteau of whoopsie and doozy. <laughs> a woozy. Let's stick with woozy. I like it. <laughs> um, so for you, Erin, someone who enjoys action, killing, pillaging, how are you finding the actual design of the gameplay style? Um... Sorry, how do you mean? Is in the mechanics, in the combat, or the just combat. everything? Yeah, so the mechanics, uh, the yeah. combat. It's it's not bad at all. I mean, there, there's a few things that are a bit clunky. Like, um, say, for example, if you're trying to climb up a staircase and a little bit juts out, sometimes you, that character doesn't quite go in the right motion or uh, you have to maneuver around a bit awkwardly. I've had things like staircases not working. I think there's definitely some bug issues in this game. Um, I love the combat. Yes. I love the combat. Again, it is, it's not It's not a million percent polished, but, um, you know, again, like compared to things like Skyrim, which is what I think about when I, I'm thinking about games that involve Norse mythology, um, you know, it's a massive step up from just swinging a sword. Like you have that kind of um, like a bit more subtlety to how you move and stuff and how you fight. You have to different, different, um, 
what are they called? I want to say bad guys. What's a better word for bad? Enemies. Opponents. That's the word. Antagonists. Different opponents. Yeah, different <laughs> enemies will like, yeah. But you get like different types of characters. Like say, for example, yeah. that you've got skirmishers who are quite quick and you have to, you know, wait for them to attack you and move around them or parry them to attack them. There's a lot of like different um, ways to fight different bad guys. And I love that kind of stuff. There's more strategy than, oh, mm. it's a bad person. Let's kill them. Um, I think, yeah, it's it's definitely not bad. It's not polished. And yeah, as we go through and talk about more about the game, there's a lot of quite hilarious bugs I've come across, um, especially my horse just disappearing off of the face of the earth a couple of times. I'm not sure how that's managed to happen. But um, yeah, I quite like it. I really enjoy the raids. I absolutely love that when you just like pull up in your Viking longboat and everyone just comes onto the land and you're just battering everyone to death. I love that. <laughs> Slightly sadistic, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the raids, the raids are fun. Um, I mm. just found that... that I don't know if you guys found this, but certainly at the start of the game, you needed to do lots of raids in order to build up stuff in your hometown, but there wasn't enough raiding sites available that you could actually do. Because I rocked up to a couple of places and I was like, oh, I'm just going to get murdered in two seconds. The levels <laughs> around here are way too high. So you just sort of like ran out of places quite quickly until more stuff unlocked, which I found a bit frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I think they've really tried in this version more than any other to discourage grinding right okay. so yeah, in odyssey for example there were a lot of points in the story where you were you, your level it told you like your level is too low to continue with this story go and do some of the stuff i haven't encountered that in this game because i think they've plotted more carefully um like they've sort of intentionally slowed you down to go along with the story so you have this I think quite unique mix of leveling up your XP for certain mm. kind of um, skills and abilities, but other abilities are only available through exploration. And that includes things like upgrading your homestead. So I think what they've done is they've set it up in a way whereby they're trying to encourage everyone in a way to go at the same pace through the story rather than grinding up in one area and, you know, kind of uh, going for those completionists who want to do one thing first and then another thing. They're like, you have to sort of do everything at yeah. once, which I think is an interesting approach. Yeah, as now I've heard you say it like that, I didn't really think of it that way. I just kind of thought that they just wanted to add another 25 hours of gameplay that you just had to get through. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe both. Um, but yeah, so there are things that I find frustrating, like I really need some linen. And there appears to only be two pieces of linen in the whole game. And I just want to upgrade my ration mm. pack. And and the linen will just appear wherever. So you can't even look that up online. You've just got to wait to find some linen. And I'm like, but I just I just want to upgrade my bag. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like as, I feel like someone... that is needlessly frustrating because you can you seem to be able to get everything else <laughs> by just raiding stuff. As someone who has recently entered Shropshire, there is there is fabric aplenty. Oh, once okay. Once you get once you get into a certain like it's above I think mm. level one sixty or something. Right. Okay. In terms of the area you explore, it does come to you. But they've done like they've done that on purpose. They've slowed you down from thinking. Bastards. I need to make it easier on myself mm. by having loads of rations 
or having loads of arrows, for example, yeah. because instead they want you to concentrate on another area. So it's a very controlled approach yeah. to open world leveling that I haven't really seen before. I yeah. tell you why I feel like it jars is because of what picking up on what Erin said about the kind of the skill involved in fighting different enemies. So it's encouraging you to have a, a breadth of stuff in your arsenal. So you not just rely on one type mm. of bow. You've got different bows for different things. You've got different swords for different things. You've got different axes for different things. Two-handed, one-handed. Like, it's encouraging you to have a play with all these different things, yet you can still mm. lean into your preferred combat style but you can't lean yeah. into your preferred open world play style. Mm -hmm. So I think as you're speaking, yeah. I'm understanding that's where the dis disjoint yes. is for me. Yeah, Is that actually, I can do some stuff and tailor it to the way I like to play. And then everything else, as you're saying to him, is kind of been controlled but yeah. in a game that is dis disguised as an open world game. <laughs> it's all, <laughs> it's all in your open world. <laughs> It's almost like we're being mm. faced with the choice of control versus free will. Oh my god! Is this no. game being Templars made by Templars or Assassins? assassins. <laughs> <laughs> and that will be the title of this episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that is whether that's intentional or not. That is good and fitting, and and I get that theme. <laughs> Um, mm. So how are you finding the kind of game mechanics and the combat and stuff, Tim? Um, it's so similar to all the other games I've played that I almost don't notice it. Oh, right. Okay. Which is, I think, neither a good thing or a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of stuff that I don't have to think about mm. as an experienced Assassin's Creed player, which means I pay attention to other things. Like, I anyway am much more interested in the peripheral stuff. The history, going to certain places and trying to remember the Roman names of, of towns and cities. And when I go there, I'm like, oh, which one is this? Don't look it up. Try and remember. Whatever. So I get to enjoy the stuff I want to enjoy, which is all the periphery outside of mm. the gameplay, because I'm so familiar with it. However, I will say that because there is much more focus on raiding and open combat in this one, I would like to have seen an adjustment in the approach to that where it makes it a bit more... Um, intellectually taxing. So rather right, yeah. than going straight in for a raid, for example, there are battles that happen, actual battles, not just running up and, you know, hitting someone with an axe, but you're going to invade something that's fortified. You have battering yeah. rams, etc. Now, hmm. Vikings were renowned for their shield work, right? Yeah. Shield Maiden was a, a respected position in the fighting that mostly women took. And that's because they had formations, they had a lot of battle tactics, mm -hmm. they did, you know, they did it a lot. And I felt like there isn't any element of tactic when you go into a battle. And it might have been more interesting if yeah. that was the new fighting, that was the new gameplay element that they added into this is, uh, can you plan an attack? Can oh, you plan I'd a battle? Love that. Rather than just arriving I, by boat and yeah. hitting things. But the but the thing the I, re, I reckon the issue with that is like the program uh, programming that would have to go into things like the AI because even though the raids are amazing the, the enemies are just idiots sometimes um, they don't seem very coordinated I I still feel like as as far as technology has come that kind of aspect of it of you know the enemies actually being a little bit more intelligent in their approach and actually you know uh, reacting. Um, uh, in against like different battle tactics i 
just can't see it working, especially in a game like this where there are so many bugs. I just think that's just going to be an absolute uh, mm. ball ache, let's say. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't I think, think of a single count. game. I can't think of a single game that has done that off, off the top of my head. Maybe there is um, some, but I've not come across any that have executed that kind of thing well. It's a bit like um, Shadow of War has a similar kind of thing to the raids in this, where you take over, you know, big... Um, settlements but even then it mm. still feels like enemies run at you you kill enemies there's there's nothing really too surprising or um yeah technical about these raids or battles right yeah because you you play a lot of these kinds of um strategy games i guess because you play all the total war games yeah so you're talking about a game that truly is a kind of blow for blow, but not a turn-based yeah. game. Yeah. I mean, the, th yeah, the thing right. with Total War, the way the way it's controlled, because you control masses of units, so one click will control 120 people, whereas this is lots of different individuals will have to like be able to react in their own right. So yeah. I don't feel like we've quite got, got to that stage where that amount of detail can go into each individual character. And that's why you find, like, um, with these battles, there's just people running at you. There's there's not that yeah. detail yet. They just run at you and hit you and you kill them and then you go to the next person. Mm. But just to also then go back to what Tim's suggesting, which, oh, my God, would be mm. amazing if you had an element of strategy with battle planning. One of the things... I'm yeah. going to talk about this a lot. In fact, I'm just going to say it now. This game, to me, is has just become Far Cry, but not as good, and I'll explain why. So mm. some of the earlier Far Cry games, I mean, I really loved Far Cry 4 and Far Cry Primal. I really loved. And one of the things I loved about Far Cry Primal is that you could strategize using your animals. So, like, you could choose where to bombard things, and you could, like go over i mean you've got a bird in assassin's creed but it doesn't really do a great deal until you upgrade it much Just, later yeah but like in primal i loved being able to fly over something you could flag all your enemies then you could choose where to bombard them with various bombs depending on what kind of enemy it was or what kind of distraction you wanted to create then you could select which animal you wanted to bring in so like a bear attracted everyone in the camp for example um one of the big cats was like stealthy so if you wanted to pick off one by one and you could actually look at a place you wanted to assault strategize and then plan your assault without even going in <laughs> i love that mm. so when tim's saying that i'm like yeah i want that because you've got the mm. bird i mean you've got the birds right you've got all this that would have brought a bit more assassination in if you could strategize how am i going to send my how am i going to send my raiding crew in <laughs> <laughs> you know these two are going to go that way these two are going to go that way and yeah i get i get what you're saying Owen. yeah maybe that is a, a very complex mm. thing to to plan but i kind of remember doing it in it's, far cry it's not yeah, but I guess in something like Far Cry Primal, how many how many different um, you know elements are there? How many different animals are you controlling? Is it going to be hundreds or is it just no, going to be like no? No, it's like it's like that's, a couple that's what at I mean, time. The, the same yeah. with Far Cry Five, even like you had the aerial bomber. I mean, I didn't love Far Cry Five for other reasons, but it was quite cool that you had you could put a sniper on someone, you could put an aerial bombardment yeah. on someone, you had a dog that could go and take people's knees out. Like, <laughs> <it> just, yeah. <laughs> 
I like controlling teams. And now Tim said yeah. it, I wish that... Because, you know, you can... Another part of the gameplay that I haven't really got my head around because I haven't felt like I've needed to use them is you can hire, like, warriors, right? Yeah. So I've hired one, but I don't know what they do. Yeah. They just turn up on your longboat, but they don't seem to, like, have a specific thing that they do at this point. This is yet one of the... They're not... Um, million game within the games oh, where you can it? go on river raids so going on river raids is a is a completely isolated game from the main game oh for god's sake yeah so nothing <laughs> nothing you do on the river raid section of the game has any effect on the rest of it so when you hire someone it's it's a separate thing you go on so it's much like doing the river raids in the main game except all of the sort of resources and achievements and everything you get is contained within that one. It is fundamentally pointless. Um, and that's what those than, berserkers are for. That's what that's what that's for, yeah. Oh, my God. But can, can I sing the praises <laughs> of one one game within the game? Yeah. Which is Orlog. Have you enjoyed playing Orlog? No, I don't know what that is. It's the dice which one game is that? you play. Oh, no, yes. I haven't done that. Oh, my God, no. <gasps> you I, haven't it's, played it's Orlog? It's good. It's another mini game, a bit like Gwent, where you could just spend yeah. hours and hours doing it. Because you get little collectibles, don't you? And th and they change the way that you play. You get like a little special power, and each one's different. Yeah. It's going to be released as a board game uh, before too long. Well, let's um, get that! I would, <laughs> I would absolutely play it. It's really good fun. I love the little game within the game. It's, it's, it's a really, oh. yeah, it's well designed. If Have it wasn't a like 150 uh, hour game, yeah. I would do that. Sorry, Aaron? He asked if you've you played, played The Witcher. Have you played The Witcher? Yes, I've played Gwent. Yeah, Gwent is great as well. Um, okay. And generally... How, how do you rate it in comparison to Gwent? <laughs> it's is a lot it better easier. than Gwent? It's a lot easier than Gwent. I enjoy both of them. Gwent, <laughs> um, I think, you know, you there's a lot of different kind of things in play. You mm. have to learn the tactics for different groups and it takes yeah. a long time. To build up your, you know, yeah. your deck to take uh, do on you know, anyone. Do you know There's what? Lo I almost lots feel... of power Im imbalances, but in this one, yeah. you learn it very quickly. Um, it's not as power imbalanced. And there's also more element of chance because it's a dice yeah. game as well. Yeah. So you have to balance a bit of a bit of strategy with a bit of chance, and it means that the odds are sort of a bit more even. But you can play it, Gem, <laughs> in a couple of minutes. It's um, okay. not a yeah. big game. It's just, just, it's just like sorry. playing a little dice game. Go just on, to go Aaron, off at question? a really random tangent, yeah. I feel like we should one day review the best mini game within a game. Yeah. Yeah. I've just played this game called Into the Woods that has an amazing arcade game in it. And it's so good. Cool. All right. Well, as we're talking about things that make us happy, what is everyone's biggest positive from this game so far? <laughs> um... For me, weapons not breaking all the time, unlike in uh, Breath of the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, for me, it's the exploration and like just how beautiful the world is and how much like how alive it feels. I really, really enjoy that aspect of it. So like I said to you before, even though I've spent 20 hours like playing this game, I've mostly just been running around exploring things. Um, yeah, it's just really, really nice. And like the recreation of England is just beautiful. Uh, it just really is quite immersive and I love it. I could just run around this game for hours, yeah, and be well happy. <laughs> oh, nice. And how about for you, Tim? 
for me, in terms of the typical gameplay evolution, I would say the best thing is that there's much less admin going on in this game than a lot of other ones I've played. That I are love similar, admin. Which, yeah, which I, <laughs> is a nice change. <laughs> Things like, you know, having to upgrade your weapons every few minutes or change all your outfits and all that sort of stuff. Like, you can just go through it with the same stuff. And I'm quite enjoying well, that because it you... means I can concentrate on the other things I enjoy more, which for me... Yeah is all the history and peripheral stuff. So I will, you know, I'm the kind of player that will go to a new location, pause, go to Wikipedia, read about it, and then carry on. Like, that's how I'm playing this game. So it's a different beast for everyone, I think, depending on what you enjoy. But that, for me, that's what I'm enjoying the most, is the opportunity to learn more about 9th century Britain. Yeah. Um, for me, I just wanted random, to pick up on something you said as well about the. the... Oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. Oh. Cut in. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I've got a bit of a lag here. I beg your pardon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're still well, in lockdown. I just wanted everyone, to pick up on one of the things that Tim later. said. <laughs> yeah, just like in regards to the weapons, like. Um, a lot of these kind of RPG games, you end up with about 28 different swords. Um, in this game, you're not actually overburdened with loot. And I think that's a really good departure because the amount of times you just have to run back to like a little settlement, sell your stuff off, then go a bit further. And then you end up with enough, like over encumbered and you're not able to move. Mm. With this, you, you come across like several weapons, but you can... If you like them enough, you can upgrade them um, as you go along in the game. So you don't have to constantly worry about getting the new latest, greatest sword or anything like that. And it's so much less frustrating than um, things like Breath of the Wild or things like Skyrim. Or even to a lesser extent, things like The Witcher. You can actually just concentrate on playing the game. So yeah, just echoing what Tim said about um, that there is a lot less admin with this. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I just, I love admin, so I'm, I'm sad about that. I love crafting and upgrading <laughs> and selling and working out who I'm going to get a good trade off of. And Oh, that sounds yeah. that sounds rude, but yeah, so I'm really enjoying the um, sexing in the game. No. <laughs> no <this thing> that... <laughs> Is that your highlight? <laughs> no, I mean, that that's the only thing story-wise that is making me smile. Um, I think for me, the biggest moments of enjoyment in the game are the raids i really enjoy Mm. the raids and i just have to take it as a separate game because when i am then trying to marry that with the story and everything else i'm like they just don't they don't fit together properly in my head so i'm just like i'm just in it for the raids i'm skipping through as much dialogue as i can just to get to more raids but the the other thing i really really like is abel i think abel is a singularly brilliant character Mm. in a imperfect story if that makes sense i just really yeah. like avor and i really like i i, f- I forgot her name that the voice actress i just think it's really cool and she's really badass and i buy it like i buy the character i buy that she could kick the shit out of you <laughs> and yeah i'm quite on board i'm bored for that but um yeah so it's all quite different things really so mm. what are the more negatives or annoyances that we've got in the games if we haven't mentioned them already? Tip? Um, in a way, I'll say the same thing that is what I like about it. Okay. Is the historical detail. Fair enough. So there's much less detail 
mm. and some anachronistic stuff that has not been as prevalent in the other games, mm-hmm. which I, I don't enjoy that aspect of it. I like to learn and I feel like I've done a lot of my learning in this game out of the game. So yeah. the same thing that I like is also the thing that ha- has bugged me slightly. And um, I won't go over it again, but the same thing I said about the battle tactics, I feel yeah. could have been a new element to freshen it up a little bit. With the biking style, seeing as stealth isn't really a thing, I think they yeah. should have just gone the whole hog and gone, do you know what, let's let's just admit that this is not a thing and do something else instead. Yeah, amazing. 100% agree with that as well. Erin, uh, for yourself, what are the niggles and negatives? Um. So there's a, there's... It's more, yeah, I'd say more niggles than, like, any, like, gaping negatives at all, really. Um, Just sometimes some of the bugs that happen during play are a little bit jarring. The movement doesn't feel as slick as it could be. Um, Again, the story's just far, there's far too much. There's far too much to take in. And I think mm. you, you could easily become at risk of losing interest in the game. And like you said, you can easily sink about 150 hours into this game. And it can be quite overwhelming. I mean, especially if you're someone who's, who's new to this franchise as well. I can imagine you just getting completely overwhelmed and disinterested in it. Um, you need to invest a lot of time into this game. And like... I guess that's a positive as well, because if you do really like to invest a lot of time, Mm. then this is a game for you. But if you're a bit more of a casual gamer, then, yeah, this isn't really going to be for you. Um, Yeah, just the main thing is the story. I've I've lost a lot of interest in the smaller parts of this, the smaller nuances of the story. Um, Yeah. But, I I mean, it's not major, because, I mean, I'm still like quite happy to go back into it and just play like a few hours um without having to read into yeah. too much the 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 raids and the killing and all that stuff is so much fun that it's it's e- easily overlooked for me yeah it's just kind of getting through all the fluff mm. in order to get to the next yeah. fight sequence for me anyway so yeah for me me the biggest negative is just it's just too much and I personally already know I'm I'm probably not going to finish this game. Uh, hmm. I just I just have is, other games I want to play more. I'm going to play a bit is that more. A massive, is but, that a massive thing for you, though? Do you feel like the need to complete games? Because I've, I've now got to the point where to enjoy a game, I just need to play it. I don't necessarily need to feel what I need to complete it. Like when we were talking about Red Dead Redemption... Um, yeah. I got so far into it and I've really enjoyed it, but I don't feel the need to complete it. And maybe this is another one of those. See, Red Dead, if you didn't complete the main story before the epilogue, I feel like you've missed a really beautiful moment of storytelling. That's my opinion. Because mm. I think that they did something in that game that I've never seen done before and I found it really moving and it was kind of a gut punch because I didn't know that it was coming. Um Tim's nodding, so I think mm. you played that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really oh, yeah, I, brave... I mean, and... I, I agree, but I feel that about stories anyway. I mean, yeah. Unless I'm really not enjoying something, obviously I'll give it up. But um, no, I'm I'm a completionist. I want to know all... <laughs> or I want to know all the things. Yeah. All of the things I want to know. You're not a collectibles <laughs> completionist like our other brother. No. But in terms of the actual story, you will yeah. see it through. Whereas I do, apart from on the odd occasion where I've made a conscious decision that I don't want the outcome, so like Fallout 4, I got right to the end and was like, I actually don't want to know because to me <laughs> the world was such that 
I didn't really want to leave it in any other way. Like, I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but mm-hmm. I put a lot of my life into that game. <laughs> <laughs> um, what other one did I not complete on purpose? I can't remember. There's another game with a similar thing where you just have to make a massive decision right at the end. And I was like, you know what? I, I like the game now, so I'm going to stop now. But that was like, I think it's only, it's only twice when I've done that. Yeah. But that's different to not wanting to see a game through. I like to see a game through. I don't always get there very quickly because I'm very, I'm, I'm like, oh, there's another shiny light over there, another game, I'll play that for a bit. And then, oh, there's another shiny light over there. Like, I'm easily distracted, put it that way. So this game for me, yeah, the biggest, just to bring back, the biggest sort of downfall is just there's too much of it and I'm not in any way invested in it. Even though I like Eivor, I don't really like anything else enough. And there's so many other good games and I'm, I'm already playing so many other good games. Um, that I just don't know that I'm going to give much more time to it. I'll do a bit and then we'll probably sell it. Because Alex, the other thing is my partner's completed it and I saw not the very end, but the bit before the end and it just wound me up. So <laughs> It won't wind you guys up. It wound me up for a specific me reason. But yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to round things up uh, for anyone yep. listening along with us, and th- thanks for tuning in because we don't we don't normally do it, do an episode like this. We normally have one game mm. each, or we're interviewing someone. Um, but this is such a massive game that we felt <laughs> like it deserved to kind of review in two parts, if you will. So I'm sure if Aaron and I don't complete it, Tim will. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can be in charge of part two, Tim. Um, yeah, I absolutely will. <laughs> So for anyone who's curious about the game and hasn't got around to playing it yet, um, who would you sort of recommend this to? And are there any tidbits of info that you give people going in? So whoever wants to start, go for it. I mean, I will say I will absolutely recommend it to people who've played Assassin's Creed, like who have played the series and understand what's going on. I don't think I could recommend it at all to people who haven't played Assassin's Creed because I think this one is perhaps the most impenetrable of the entire series. If you are really tempted to play this because you like Vikings, I would say please just pick up one of the previous games. Maybe even something like as classic as Assassin's Creed 2. It won't take you too long. You'll understand the point of the Assassins versus Templars mm. thing. And Assassin's Creed 2 is a much loved kind of installment mm-hmm. of the franchise. You, so you can't go wrong with that. That would that's be my recommendation. Okay, and for yourself, Erin? Mm. Um, if you're someone who enjoys Skyrim and likes the whole Norse aspect of it, uh, but wants a little bit more out of the combat, then I think this is for you. If you're someone who likes the series Vikings, I think this is a game for you. If you're anyone who's really into um well, I guess RPG style games where you get to run around the countryside and kill lots of people. This is for you. Um, if you're a casual gamer, don't bother because it's <laughs> not for you. <laughs> um, yeah, anyone who's into your RPGs and big open worlds, I would say people who are into puzzles and that kind of um, genre of gaming, yeah, it's, it's not the easiest one to get into. So probably avoid. And for um, you? I, I'm going to massively disagree with you, Aaron. If you're into RPGs, don't bother. Unless, like Tim says, you you you're rehearsed in the <laughs> in the Assassin's Creed format. 
because I don't feel like it plays like an RPG. That's what I mean. It feels like a half RPG. I wish that they pushed it further um, in that direction so it felt more customizable to the way you want to play games, um, yeah. if, if that's what they wanted to go for. Um, I would probably agree with Tim. I think if you like probably Odyssey, or what was the one in Egypt? What was that one called? Origins. Origins, yeah. If you liked either of those, probably uh, having watched Alex play some of those, they feel like and a continuation in some way um, with a bit less history, as Tim said. Uh, I don't know how highly I would recommend this to anyone else either, to be honest, Mm. because I'm not loving it. But, um, yeah, I mean, let us know what you think, because, yeah, you you might be loving it. And it was kind of the big (laughs) pre-Christmas game, so I feel like a lot of people got it for the next-gen of consoles, so it would be really interesting to... In fact, two of us are playing on a next-gen console, is it worth oh, yeah. mentioning the difference? Really? Yes, yes, 100%. Um, so just off the bat, I'm playing on an Xbox Series X, as is Tim. Erin, you're playing on a, on a PS4, right? PlayStation 4. Yeah. Yeah. So I started the game on an Xbox One X. Was you, did you start it on the Xbox One, Tim? No, I just waited for the latest, the Series X, because I, having played previous Assassin's Creed, <laughs> whenever you decide to change location, yeah, oh my God. You, you start it and then you go and make a cup of tea yeah. and then you come back and you're ready to start again. So I knew I wanted to wait until I got the new machine and I'm so glad I did because it makes it so much faster oh and more immersive experience. Yeah, sure. that, that choice you made, Tim, was utterly correct. Um, <laughs> having played the game before the next-gen console... And after, like, I, I, I can't scroll mm. on my phone every time I do a fast travel. The In loading. fact, the term fast travel was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> you were actually better off getting on your horse and riding something. You were going on fast travel. So, yeah, playing on, a, on an X-Gen console is really cool. I genu- do you know what? The, the first few times I started playing this and was loading, I thought the game was actually broken. I was really concerned because I'd never played any of the other Assassin's Creed game and I wasn't aware that loading screens would ever take as long as that. But um, it's quite, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not great. It's not great. And I think it's well worth playing on um, the newer generation of consoles because it seems like it's almost instant for you guys. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, that is definitely a kind of uh, added note on a recommendation that if you've got a next gen and you want to check it out, that's the time to do it. Or if you've ordered one that hasn't come yet, just wait for the next gen because it's a long game and it will be a lot longer (laughs) with an older generation console. Um, Cool. All right. Can I tell you, Gem, just one thing about the Viking invasion of Britain, just to sort of sandwich your uh, ideas of what the viking invasion was at the oh, go on. of the episode <laughs> so although although there were raids of monasteries and there were you know battles between the the anglo-saxon rulers um one of the reasons why viking settlements in britain was so successful is because the general population weren't that opposed to them because they were so hot <laughs> <laughs> So what you're saying this is, is the are... boshing mm-hmm. allowed... It's an integral part of the Viking integration into Britain. So 
Um, to, give to, a good give you, to give you some reality <laughs> facts for that. That's amazing. They actually bathed. They bathed regularly. They oh, combed their wow. hair. They took a lot of pride in their their appearance and their cleanliness, which Anglo-Saxons did not. No. <laughs> and so, you know, imagine you've got the choice of a smelly, unbathed, sort of clerical Anglo-Saxon who's all about God and demeaning women versus a clean, long-haired, fresh-smelling, buff Viking man who comes along and thinks that women have the same rights as men. Who are you going to choose? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'd choose a shield maiden, probably. <laughs> yeah, there were some very renowned shield maidens as well. They were, I mean, yeah, they were a lot more liberated in, in many senses. But I just wanted to put that out there. as yeah. Although I'm not saying the Vikings didn't, you know, glorify battle, because of course they did their success in integration was much more about them being appealing to the general population. Oh, the moral of the story is consent is good, guys. Consent is great. <laughs> <laughs> Go in and say, how do you like this? And if they, if they like it, they let you take over the village. I mean. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's what we're saying. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, that wraps things up nicely. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us again, Tim. Thank you My pleasure. for being the historical correspondent or the history correspondent. Wait. I, I, let's say history. Historical makes me feel like I was personally in the past. I've been a god. We were. We all were. <laughs> thank you. But... <laughs> Um, yeah, that was a that was a really really fun episode. Uh, thanks to you as well, Erin. You were delayed here and there, so half the time I don't. I, think I tried my best to I keep up with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but you, the audience, won't notice that because we're recording separate audio, so it will all be. We'll serious. use magic. Um, so I probably shouldn't have even said anything. But hey ho. Um, thank you so <laughs> much <laughs> for tuning into this episode of my turn podcast. Uh, if you like what you hear, or if you've got any suggestions for us please get in touch we are on all the socials uh find us on twitter and on insta or tim and tim isn't really on socials but Aaron no leave on. me alone Aaron and i are on <laughs> everything else so just find us at my turn pod um and give us a like give us a share subscribe as well it really really helps and give us a really nice five-star review on itunes please do it. And thank you. Otherwise, we will send a Viking to your home to invite mm. <laughs> I think that's, um, yeah. <laughs> I think that's encouraging them more than anything. That's what I mean. Well, maybe it'll be a reward. Why not? Uh, thank you very much. And you'll hear us next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.